this is Laura. And we're Bible Bitches. That's right. And I am very excited because this is our first sort of series, right? So we did Badass Ladies of the Hebrew Bible, and this time we're doing Badass Ladies of the New Testament. Kind of exciting stuff. I'm on pins and needles over here. I love it. I love it. So let's just dive right on in. So quick intro into the New Testament, if you aren't aware. You definitely have your Gospels. I think we all know about the Gospels, the story of Jesus, and the four different books that tell different versions of the story of Jesus. And then you got your letters written by Paul, who was a Jew that became a follower of Christ a few years after Jesus' death. And then you got revelations, um, a lot of letters between different Christian sects or Christian groups, like the Corinthians and the... I don't know. So, the yeah, so the, so that's all, like, those are, those will all be, like, letters written from Paul to churches, mm-hmm. um, but then you got, like, you know, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, yeah. you know, 1st, 2nd Peter, so you've got, like, a lot of different letters um, from other people that aren't Paul, and uh, what's the last book, Sarah, of the New Testament? Oh, it's Revelation. Revelation. I am fascinated by Revelation. It's so insane, and it was taught to me as like fact as as though this is a thing that we needed to prepare for and there was a whole class well in my religion class there was a whole nine weeks spent mapping out where we are in like the prophesied timeline and what's going like all these crazy things there was a lot of discussion about the red calf insane everybody gets all up in arms about the end of the world and whether or not you are Christian or another religion or secular, you know, we've all got a theory about how the world's going to end. So at some point we'll have to, we'll have to touch on that because I think yeah. it's, uh, it's a very rich topic. Um, yeah, but I think it'll have to be, I mean, it's so, there's so much there. So much. Yeah. So we'll have much. to figure out how to do that. And anyway. we'll have to do one whole episode just on zombies. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> love. Right. We love that. <laughs> um. So, Sarah, that was a great summary of the New Testament. It's quick and dirty. So, Paul, this Jewish dude who helped start and encourage a lot of early house churches, kept writing letters to these churches in the first century CE, uh, many times from jail due to religious persecution, either to encourage or admonish said churches. And we should say the early church was considered a Jewish sect because, well, Jesus and the apostles were Jewish, right? So the early church was kind of uh, made up of a mix of Jews and Gentiles, and Gentiles is another word for non-Jews. Speaking of Paul, in one of the letters, he's writing, this, he's writing to the Church of Rome. And in this letter, it's called Epistle to the Romans, chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. He cites Phoebe as a woman of note in the Church of Centria. Am I pronouncing that right? That sounds like, that sounds yeah, great. Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, and she is, he references her references her as a deacon of the Greek word for diakonon. I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is a helper or a patron. Deacon in the modern church is kind of, and I think it's different in different churches, but at least the one that I grew up on, people were sort of like volunteered or nominated. I think they were voted on like different men. There were always men in the church to be deacons, which were the people who kind of helped out with services and were heavily involved in the church and that that kind of thing. Yeah, it was, it was like maybe, an honor. 
Yes, absolutely. And maybe has some sort of like pastoral care duty, like calling on the sick or whatnot. In my church now, this is not limited to men, thank God. Um, I could not be in a church where it was so exclusive. So it's basically just, you know, people are voted in currently. Um, and then there's like a service of ordination to be a deacon. And they're kind of prayed over. And then their duty is primarily to help out during service and communion and things like that, as well as to call on the sick and encourage one another. And I, you know, I wish I could say that I, uh, Sarah, that I had given you all the difficult words to pronounce, um, <laughs> but I think I've got a few too. So <laughs> we're in it together. Um, yes. We're going to, we're both going to get hate mail. Um, <clears throat> so um, Paul also refers to Phoebe uh, as the Greek word prostate, prostatus. Prostate. Yeah, prostate. <laughs> She's a prostate. <laughs> She's a good old prostate. So, prostatus can mean all of the following. And so it gets real complicated. It can mean benefactor, presiding officer, minister, elder, pastor, overseer, patron. So basically, she could easily have been a minister. Or and a here, or or, or a prostate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. Science people, it's science. Here's the thing. We know already from the Gospel of Luke that women funded Jesus' ministry. Yeah. He was a real big fan of women. Like, you know, he he basically hung out with all the people nobody liked. So, you know, the homeless, the sick, women. <laughs> just, just women. Not even, like, it's usually, like, Jesus hung out with, like, the homeless and prostitutes and beggars. Just, just like... Not even. And women. And just just general women. General women. We were (laughs) those 'er ne'er-do-well ladies. It didn't Um, matter what your profession was. You're a woman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so, but I like Jesus was like, hey, you want to help fund my ministry? We're all in it together. And so we know from Acts and the epistles, uh, which are the letters again, that women funded and started early house churches. So basically, haters that want to say that women can't be ministers are doing a super-duper selective reading of the New Testament. You're telling me that there are political agendas within any organization? Are you telling me that in the Christian church, in like different sects or different denominations, there they might selectively read a text? That's crazy. I have never heard that. Revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You you heard it here first. Bible Bitches is the first place to call out politics in the church. No, it is not. No, it is not. No. That's just a thing that's always. Centuries of issues with that. Um, Because, you know, the church is a human institution and there are loads of problems with it. Mostly people. (laughs) Yes. When it's done well, it's a beloved community. And when it's not, it is bad. When it it is not, it is very, very bad. So tell me about our next awesome lady, Sarah. Oh, I like her. So there are a few different letters that Paul writes. And in one of, in the book of Acts, which is also involving his writings, it talks about what the epistles, or what the, I'm sorry, what the apostles did after the death of Jesus. Now, the apostles, for those of you who don't know, are the people, like the 12 men who followed Jesus around during his life. And some of those apostles recorded Jesus's work. So that's where you get Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, um, 
so that there are these 12 apostles and then Paul in one of his letters in the book of Acts talks about these things that the apostles did after the death of Jesus. And in those writings, there's a woman named Priscilla who is name dropped quite a bit uh, along with her husband, whose name, no idea, Aquila? Aquila? I think it's Aquila. Aquila? Mm -hmm. Not to be mistaken with a hun. Aquila the hun. (laughs) Attila. Attila the hun. (laughs) The fact that they are always mentioned together indicates that they could be seen as equals in the early church. That's right. And from Acts 18, verses 2 through 3, we know that they are tent makers. From Acts 18, 18, we know that Paul brought Priscilla and Aquila to Syria with him. And from Acts 18, 26, we know that Paul spoke at the synagogue. Priscilla and Aquila heard him. And then they taught him, quote, more perfectly, meaning they corrected his theology. So Paul's taking direction from this lady and her spouse and his teachings like it's no big deal. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they be learning Paul good, you know. That's Love right. It. And on top of that, we also know that from Romans 16, 3 to 4, Paul thinks of them as his helpers in Jesus Christ, the diaconate, and that they risked themselves somehow to save Paul's life. Do we know anything more about that? They just, like, they just risked their lives to save Paul. Yeah, this is probably, uh, we can flesh this out in a little bit, but he's basically always into mischief. Um, He's always getting arrested, and he's always needing a place of refuge. So he ends up kind of hiding out on their house for a while, Um, kind of sleeping on the couch, no big deal. So I think he mentions them in Corinthians, doesn't he? Yeah, in chapter 16, verse 19, he greets the church by saying, I salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house, referring to Priscilla and Aquila's house. So what does that mean? Like the church was being held, church service was being held in their house. Early churches were house churches. Um, yeah, they, they were kind there. of small and small settings. Fun fact, um, there was a lot of rumors going around about what these crazy because, yeah, you know, and when it, whenever any new religion starts out, there's a lot of, like, what's going on here? What's yeah. happening, right? And so the Romans were kind of confused about it all because it's, you know, as it's starting out, it's, it's a Jewish sect, and it seems kind of like an offshoot, maybe cult-like. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of cults in the day. Like, the, you look it up, cult of Mithraeus. They would worship bulls and slit their throats and bathe in the bull's blood like there's all these kind of cults that were rising up around this time and adherence to different cults and so the fact that everybody would greet each other as brothers and sisters in christ and they would greet each other with a kiss there was rumors going around that we were um that the early christians were incestuous because of that so they're calling each other brother and sister and they're kissing each other and so it's right gross so Basically, they just thought we were getting together and having orgies. And I love that they were kind of like judging the Christians for that because that's like the biggest stereotype of like the Romans. Romans. (laughs) (laughs) That they get together, have orgies, eat a lot, drink a lot, you know, because, you know, Bacchanalia, you know, they're always the very rich Romans kind of tend to be a lot about excess. So it is a lot, a lot of like pot calling kettle black with them being like, you get together in orgies, right? Um, but yeah, so that is a hilarious kind of early myth. But yeah, a lot, a lot of the original churches were house churches. Mm-hmm. So a pretty big deal in 
the early Christian church appears to have been radical equality as well. So instead of women having a secondary status, they are mentioned equally in duties. A few historical notes for those of you <laughs> that are pouring over your ancient maps right now, by the way. Um, we know that the Jews were expelled from Rome by Roman Emperor Claudius. So we think Paul left Rome then went to Corinth, where Paul probably lived with Priscilla and Aquila for around 18 months. Then it looks like Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila started out together for Syria, but they stopped in Ephesus. Right. And, like, can you imagine having the Apostle Paul sleeping on your couch for, like, a year and a half? I bet he was a nut. Like, I bet he was just the worst house guest. I bet he's like the. I bet he's the kind of person who would like eat all your food, come home late, making a lot of noise, being messy and gross. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he seems very much like he was a very big personality. So, yeah. I also really hope that he always had these grand greetings in person, like he did in the letters that he wrote, like "Good morrow, I salute you much in the Lord in this church that is in your house." That would be. Partially amusing and also very tiresome after, like, the third month. Like, he would be super great in community theater, you know? <laughs> I really hope he had an improv troupe. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, maybe since Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, they just made him, like, he just got, like, his own little tent in the backyard. Yeah, they just made him a little pallet. No big Probably. deal. <laughs> so, uh, on to our last badass lady. This is Hunia. Junia? Junia? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Junia? I'm going to go with Junia. 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 Right? right? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Junia. Junia. Um, in Romans 16:7, Paul refers to her as an apostle, which again is a teacher follower of Jesus, or that she was at least considered an apostle by so many others. So here's the quote. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles. She sounds like my kind of lady. She's prominent among the apostles. She's also, like, getting into serious trouble. Right, like it. right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. know from the word apostle that she was a follower of Jesus. She's also teaching and, and probably preaching and trying to kind of gain other followers of this. But she's, yeah, she's also getting, getting in jail, and she's like, what of it? Do we know why she went to jail? My understanding is that when he would go to these different places, it would kind of cause a kerfuffle, right? Because he's <laughs> a bit of a kerfuffle. Yeah. So it's a little confusing, you know, for modern understanding. But so it sounds like the Romans were highly intolerant from this, right? But mm -hmm. the Romans actually kind of weren't. This is really confusing. So Romans were basically like, hey, when we take over your land, you can totally keep your religion, but you just have to worship the emperor. Like, that's mm -hmm. the deal. You have to worship the emperor. Yeah. And so Jews were like, nope, we're monotheists, and we worship God. We're not going to worship the emperor. That's dumb. And so that's why Jews and Romans didn't get along very well. That's one of the major reasons. And so Christians, being a sect of Judaism, considered themselves monotheists, but it was also people were very, very confused because they were like, so you got God and then you got Jesus, like, you know, and they were still fleshing that out, what Jesus' identity was um, yeah. in the aftermath of his death. But they refused, they also refused to worship the emperor. And so that was problematic to the Romans and kind of scary to them because they mm -hmm. were like, we're putting our power in, the, in and our hopes in the emperor 
they're polytheistic and so they're worshiping the emperor alongside a whole host of other gods and they're like why can't you just worship him and then your god and so they're going around kind of spreading this message of worship our god and also don't worship the emperor and this is causing some problems some kerfuffles yeah um maybe some light rioting (laughs) (laughs) and i know particularly i was in ephesus i got to go to ephesus a couple of years ago and we were talking about it there actually it's a lovely interfaith thing because the, pe- the most of the the people who work at that site and they uh, do the the art you know the archaeology and um, kind of the history of the place they're all Muslims mm-hmm. and so they're kind of they see themselves as kind of guarding one of Christianity's most sacred sacred sites and it they're like you know it's really cool that we get to do that for you Christians it's kind of an interfaith really cool interfaith thing so that was awesome and um, our guide was kind of telling us you know how it's here where Paul gets thrown into prison. Well, he's thrown into prison because he's telling that's a huge that's a huge center for building idols. Mm-hmm. Like most of the people that worked there, they got their livelihood from actually carving idols, right? Yeah. And so he's like, "Hey, smash your idol. Stop stop with the idolatry and worship my Jesus, dude, right? Uh, <laughs> worship God and you know, this example of Jesus Christ." And they're all like, "Uh, that's my job." Yeah. Is to make idols. So he gets thrown into jail promptly. So it's things like that. These kind of he's going against culture and it's scaring people and so people get thrown into prison for that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, you know. Yeah. That's why we got unions. Right. <laughs> I wonder if there was an idol making union back in Rome. That would be interesting. You know, who knows? Who knows? We yeah, we don't know. But I would say uh one last note about the context. Paul is used a lot in conservative Christian settings, kind of as a weapon against women and gays, right? And a lot of what he says is taken out of context. And so he's writing different different letters to different churches, probably not thinking that at some point all of these letters are going to be grouped together and put in a text that's seen as holy and everlasting. So he contradicts himself a lot um, because what you say to one person in one setting is not going to be what you need to say to another person in another setting, right? He's very politically savvy. But there's something that I want to read in this letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 11 through 12. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. So I'm hearing this interdependence as a theme here. Also, the fact that he's lifting up multiple women shows he has this respect for these women, which really says a lot about the role of women in early churches, that he helped to start with these women so yes and no I mean yes insofar as if you're already like comfortable with understanding the socio-historical context of the bible and like reading each voice as its own perspective then yeah like you can definitely tease out this interdependent theme but if like like a lot of Christians are, are reading the whole book as this one sacred text that were like each of these books, each of these voices were put in to create a larger narrative, all like put there by God. Then I think that this one verse, many of the verses, but this one also like um, it, uh, it can easily create a dichotomy. So like woman is not independent of man nor man of woman. Um, and then it goes, you know, for as woman was made from man. So now, man is born of woman and I I'm not sure that I'm super comfortable with that because the overarching idea of what a woman should be is a child bearer like 
the birth or of children and that is essentially all like there's she doesn't get a voice in the workplace she doesn't get a voice in her sexuality or anything like that it's just like her as mother I also think that like yeah these women are these women are awesome but they do not get any significant play for listeners we're going to talk about other women who get more play like uh, Mary Mother of God and uh, Mary Magdalene, eventually, not right now. But, oh, totally. Yeah, I, I think you raise a really good point there um, about how one's view of the Bible as a whole can really affect how you view particular verses and particular right. books. Because, you know, there's different views on the Bible, right? It's, you know, some people think it's an inerrant text that is 100% divinely inspired by God. Other people, myself included, think that it is a human written text where people are really trying to wrestle with the issue of what it means to follow God. And so there are things that are fallible in it. And it's contradictory because it's people writing about this over centuries. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I want to walk away from, because if you have that viewpoint, then you can put things in its, you know, historical context. So one thing I want to note about Paul is that he was very, very politically savvy. And so what you see he's doing in this te in this text is building on an old narrative, right? The whole idea of it, because we're going to get to this, there's two creation narratives contained in Genesis that might blow your mind if you didn't know this, but in one of them it says that Eve was made from the ribs of Adam. And so he's clearly taking that here, for as women was made from man, and then he's twisting it and saying, so man is now born of woman, in order to try to make an argument for people being equal in, yeah. in, as followers of Christ. And I think for that time, it's pretty radical. I think for now, we also need to say that's pretty radical for first century, right? And mm. now the sum total of women isn't, right? Because even in the first century, women meant more in, in the Christian, even in the Christian context, meant more than just their childbearing role because they're here, they're starting churches, they're funding Jesus' ministry. So it's very clear that their worth is more than that, even in this early context. And certainly in our, in our modern context, this doesn't do it justice. So we, we need to be very cognizant, especially within the church, about that. And I think voices outside of the church critiquing Christian context has helped us to move along and meet meet the needs of people is that is that Davi yes Davi <laughs> he's Davi like, would I agree, really with. agree yeah <laughs> so that's why I think interfaith context um you know having these kind of interfaith dialogue between an agnostic and a Christian is so important because it calls out some of these injustices right and we have to answer for it as yeah. the church yeah I mean there's so much there that we should get to at some point it's actually quite revolutionary, this um, the yeah, view of, I think, gender in the first century church. So I'm feeling super empowered right now, Sarah. Yeah, you are. Hillary will get it next time. <laughs> oh, I think we should go listen to some Spice Girls. Yes. Right? And I'm going to tell you what I want, Sarah. What I really, really want is <laughs> to tell you about how to connect with us on social media. You can find us at Bible Bitches on Twitter. You can also find us at Bible Bitches on our Facebook fan page. You can let us know if you have any questions, topics you'd like to, for us to cover, anything you'd like to hear. If you are listening to us somehow and have no idea how you found us, you can listen and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. 
And you can also email us yeah. at BibleBetches, B-E-T-C-H-E-S, at gmail.com. Also, you can check us out on our host website, EngagedGaze, G-A-Z-E.com. It's a great website, lots of great articles. You guys should definitely check it out. Great contributors. And then you want to tell us about Miss Eves and Erin? Yeah, um, so we want to give a super shout out to Miss Eves who let us use her song TNT on the intro and outros. Um, you can find her at Yo Eves on Twitter. We also want to give a big shout out to Aaron Smith. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Aaron Doodles. He did the title card artwork uh, for Bible Bitches. And um, he's a cartoonist and an architect, so you can find all kind of cool stuff on his Twitter. Other than that, we look forward to seeing you next time. Give us a shout out. Let us know. Uh, what you want to hear, and if you got any questions. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> I want to, I want to, and now.